1: Guys, thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Gold Standard Podcast. My name is Zach Fernandez, and tonight I am joined by my co-host Matt Llewellyn and our guy Mike Andrews, nothing but Niners. Before I toss it over to you guys, if you're tuning in on Twitter, head over to youtube.com slash 49 Hive. Join from there so we can see and interact with your comments. The link is in the little banner scrolling across the screen right now. We got a great show for you guys planned this evening. We're gonna be recapping a little bit of the regular season and more so previewing the 49ers matchup against the Seahawks in super Wild Card weekend. I don't know if you guys have noticed, they're really stressing that super. So uh, with that said, Matt, how are you doing this evening?
2: I'm doing pretty good, Zach. Um, you know, I'm excited for the playoffs. It's It's been a season, that's for sure. Ups, downs, sideways, you know, all kinds of things that we saw that we wouldn't expect to see. And yet the 49ers still come into the playoffs with the number two seed. I mean, absolutely fantastic, man. Absolutely fantastic. Ready to go. Let's uh, go 3-0 and against the Seahawks.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Uh, Mike, how you doing? I feel like it's been
3: forever since we've had you on. Yeah, man, a little too long, right? But I'm, I'm actually doing really, really well. I'm excited about this time of year. But the first time uh, since before Jim Harbaugh, I want to be very, very clear. Since before Jim Harbaugh, I feel like the 49ers offense is matched by the uh, is matching the defense. And I am dumb excited. I have never been completely confident in the 49ers offense. It always felt gimmicky even when Harbaugh and and Roman was here. Um, I felt like Kyle Shanahan was never really living up to his end of the deal being the offensive genius that we brought in. I wanted those Matt Ryan-type plays, right? I wanted to see that kind of production and all that stuff. And uh, to be completely honest with you, (laughs) the offense might be outperforming the defense right now. I know that sounds crazy, right? But they're putting up 32 points a game. I know the Seahawks were the one team where we only put up 20, 21, right? But they've had opportunities to put up more and just took knees right inside the shadow of the goal line with a minute and 20 left. They could have easily kicked three and made it over 40. Not one 40-point game for the 49ers this season. However, since Brock Purdy has been here, they have had four different opportunities to put up more than 40 points, and they chose not to do it. The offense is finally clicking, guys, and the defense is there as well. I'm really excited about this postseason for the 49ers.
1: Same, 100%. Um, I, I know a lot of people, we'll get right into this. A lot of people were saying, uh, well, you know, the, the last time, it's just like last year with the Rams, right? They beat them handedly their first matchup. It was much tighter the second matchup. Maybe the pendulum's swinging the other way for the third matchup, just like it did against the Rams. But that's a great point, Mike. Not only did they take a knee at the one-yard line, which, by the way, cost me some money because I had a Jordan Mason touchdown prop, uh but they also had a pick six taken back so that game should have been a 10 plus point win minimum uh so I'm not that concerned I am a little bit just because I I do subscribe to the notion that it is hard to beat a team three times and Matt we've talked about this a little bit in our Cardinals post game show but what did you think of Kyle Shanahan when he said we don't have to beat them three times we just have to beat them one Saturday
2: no it's a good mindset to have you know Um, I I agree with you it is hard to beat a team three times in a season this is going to be a little bit different Um, it is the playoffs so you're taking it one game at a time and that's kind of been the theme I feel like with the 49ers again Fred Warner's post game comments I believe it was man after one of the division games maybe it was the second Seahawks game where he's like hey we're 1-0 right now let's go be 1-0 next week and the 49ers have carried that forward um it it is going to be different you know the atmosphere is going to be a little more tense we're going to see what Brock Party does under an entire game of immense pressure which is what he's going to be under and I mean let's face it the weather looks like it's going to be a huge factor and I subscribe just like you know we both subscribe to the notion it's hard to beat a team three times I also subscribe to the fact that bad weather narrows the talent gap so this is one of those things where You know, the 49ers have to watch out for the weather. Um, It's not what people on Twitter are making it. There's a couple guys that are like, oh, week one, they only did this. Completely different team. We're not going to go there. But, you know, weather does play a factor. And the 49ers are a very athletic team. And I think that you can take some of that out with, you know, bad footing, bad weather. Um, Brock Purdy, not exactly a rocket arm. What does he do when the ball gets heavy and wet? So there's a lot of questions. It's not just as cut and dry as the 49ers are going to go in there and, and you know stomp on the Seahawks all day long.
1: It's going to be interesting. I I think Tommy unlike, Huck is a weatherman. <laughs> yeah, unlike week one uh, where was that giant monsoon? I mean the stadium's like 15 minutes from my 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 place. It shouldn't be that bad. Also, the this the field in Chicago was a complete mess. It's known to be a complete mess. Don't think it's that bad. I agree with Matt. I've seen some people on Twitter comparing it to that ridiculous mud, I don't know, mud field in Chicago week one. Shouldn't be anything like that. And like Tommy says, the rain is supposed to die down by kickoff. It's barely anything from one to four. So we'll see how it is.
2: Well, we'll definitely see because we also know how weather is. I mean, it's – It's what, it's Wednesday today. There's three days for the weathermen to change their mind 18 different times. So you know how that goes. I mean, there's a lot of times where it doesn't happen or it happens early. So you don't know. Um, I would say it's less like Chicago, more akin to what we saw when we went live for the Tampa Bay game during that third quarter where it was raining. Um, California rain is different than Chicago rain. I'll tell you that.
1: Yeah, definitely. Um, And
3: Um, just to quickly add to what you guys are saying, just 24 hours ago, it was a 90% chance of rain on Sunday. It's down to 60 already. And last week, they were saying the same exact thing. We're going to be playing in rain. We're going to be playing in rain. And the closer we got, we realized the clouds dissipated and we were fine. So I'm I'm not saying that there's not going to be any rain, but it seems like if there is any rain during game time, it's going to be minimal. So, uh, I mean, we just got to go out there and be ready to play football. That's yeah. what it. That's what it comes yeah. down to.
1: And I also just want to add, unlike that, Bears game again, where you know, a couple of broken coverages allowed them Dante Pettis to get free. Um I think this Seahawks team isn't helped as much by the weather as that Bears team was. Um, I think that if anything, this this team's bread and butter is the running game and the occasional deep shots down the field. And I think the weather actually prevents them from doing what they want to do and taking these deep shots down the field. And I think if anything, what have we been complaining about or worried about the 49ers defense? is giving up these deep shots. So if the Seahawks aren't able to take them due to the weather, that helps the 49ers in my opinion. And I'm not worried about the the Seahawks running game. Yeah,
2: And well, and yeah, exactly. That's, that's it right there. The 49ers are number one against the run. Um, and and the other thing too, is that week one game against Chicago, looking at it this way, Trey Lance, notwithstanding first NFL, like started the season as like the guy, right? Not an injury replacement or whatever. Um, Mad, mad rain that day. But here's the other factor that people don't look at. No Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell injured, no George Kittle. Like, this is an entirely different offense, right? Like, this is an offense that is going to be humming. We have McCaffrey, Mitchell, and Kittle on the field pretty much for the first time all season for a game. And so, again, it's why I'm not as worried because if you're looking at the two teams, which one is going to be better running team it theoretically it should be the 49ers and with how they run their offense it's going to be shorter passes they're not going to try to take those deep shots so you know i i do think that the weather could be a little bit of a factor but again it's one of those things where i feel like the 49ers game plan is enough to overcome and i think you're right that what Seattle does is a lot different than what Chicago does, and it won't help them. And besides the fact that Geno Smith is not as escapable as Justin Fields is, obviously.
1: 100%, yeah. Um, we're we're going to get a little more into this game, but did you guys want to talk about Adam Peters because they're, they're talking about it in the chat pretty heavily. Um, obviously, there was rumors, or there wasn't rumors, there was a report that he came out that I believe the Titans, the Cardinals, both... Requested to interview him for their vacant GM positions. And it came out today via rap sheet that he declined those interviews. What do you guys make of this? Mike, you can go first.
3: Yeah, I, I just, popped, just popped the uh, link in there, but it was from someone else, not Rapaport. But, um, you know, uh, I think it's pretty bad. I'm not, I, I think it's pretty cool that he, he did that, right? Because um, we heard about D'Amico Ryan's declining second interviews with teams, you know, last year. These guys are on a mission. they want to prove something, right? Um, and so I thought it was I thought it was pretty cool that these guys are like, "Look, I'm in a good spot, and I kind of want to stay here. Uh, I would be i would i'm gonna be very interested and I'm gonna be watching very closely. How many other teams request to interview Adam Peters in particular? Uh, I think the Niners promoted him with a promise of something. People are forgetting that he was recently elevated just last offseason, if I'm not mistaken. He was elevated to a different position, uh, and I think that there's more in store for him uh, coming down the pike. So I think that he's operating on a, on a mindset of, I got more coming here. Uh, now, what's more than a GM? I don't know but he I, maybe he gets the GM position here and then they promote John Lynch or something else I, you know uh, but there, there's always something that the teams can do to keep these guys happy and keep them here you know he's obviously has a major touch and hand uh, in the involvement of the 49ers draft so uh, there's really no need for him to go anywhere if if it's going to be much of the same where wherever else it is that he's going
1: I agree um, I think and a lot of people are kind of bringing this back up this past off season with john lynch the uh, report which i don't even know if it was a report i didn't hear about it until he was asked about it at that press conference that he was thinking about leaving the 49ers gm position to go back to calling games or going to amazon as a commentator and he kind of denied it him and kyle looked at each other like oh shit this got out uh but they asked him how long do you plan on being jammed for the 49ers and he said until the job is done if they win a the super bowl Theoretically, is the job not done? Um, I mean, I think that that's what they're telling Peters. As soon as we win, Lynch is stepping down and the gig is yours. And who wouldn't pass on being the general manager of a, a historic franchise like the San Francisco 49ers? Like, it, it's it's unmatched and something the Cardinals nor the Titans can offer. So I think Adam Peters is extremely smart in turning down these interviews, but he's still allowing his name to get out there. So. Kudos to him. Uh Matt, did you have any any thoughts on this?
2: Yeah, I think it's one of those things where I think behind the scenes, I think Mike touched on it perfectly. I know, Zach, you're talking about the, you know, the TV thing. I think John Lynch has a very real opportunity to get promoted as kind of like an executive, a president of football operations, if you will. Um, I know that he also served as general manager, but really Carmen Policy back in the 80s, his big thing was being an executive in the front face of the organization in a lot of ways. A lot of people don't even know Carmen Policy, you know, while he was with the 49ers in the 80s all the way up until he took the GM role in 1991. Um, you know, he started out as counsel, obviously, but, you know, John McVeigh was the longtime general manager of the 49ers, but Carmen Policy was the guy that was in front of the camera. This reminds me a lot of this. I mean, we all kind of feel like, in some ways, Adam Peters is really the de facto GM, as it were, with you know the real talent evaluation and you know the late later round draft picks. Right, once you know my theory, once Kyle and John are past the point where they had time to look at the draft, that's where Adam Peters really shines, and that's why a lot of the late round picks hit. I think that they have some type of agreement there that Adam Peters uh, is, you know, the guy that they want in the building. And I think that it's kind of like he's assistant GM in name only, but he's essentially running the show. I think that they can do him a solid by making it official um, and kicking John Lynch upstairs. But I think that's well on its way uh, to coming. So it's one of those things. I think he knows where his bread is buttered. And if you're looking at a team like the Titans or the Cardinals, or he was recently linked to the Seahawks as well, um, particularly in the midst of a playoff run, you're going to turn those down. I mean, why not stay where you know what's going on? You know the organization inside and out. You know what Jed York wants. You work well with John and Kyle. It just makes all the sense in the world that he likes what he does here and that there's probably some type of sweetheart deal on the table for him that, you know, not everybody knows about.
1: Well said. Um, and yeah, the comments are saying, you know, who would want to work with Kyler Murray? And the report came out earlier this week that they are planning on trading DeAndre Hopkins this off season. The Cardinals are blowing it up aside from Kyler Murray and whatever other rookies they have.
2: Yeah. Kingsbury and Kime are gone.
4: Yeah.
1: Have you, uh, maybe I should, there's this theory uh, that Steve Kime was the one that hit someone in Mexico. I I heard that as well.
2: Uh, Mike, have you he heard immediately the went on this like health leave and then yeah. they just let him go afterwards.
3: So, no, I'm sorry. My son just came down. I I missed the very last
1: time what happened with him. Do you remember when when the 49ers and Cardinals played in Mexico City afterwards, one of their assistant coaches, I believe it's a line offensive line. Yeah, thank you. Offensive line was Was allegedly
2: arrested and they fired him
1: for hitting someone with the car. Right. So there's a theory that Steve Kime was actually the one that did it because they look exactly alike.
2: Yeah. And And, shortly afterwards, he went on a health leave and they're not bringing him back.
1: Yeah. So it's a trip. I mean, maybe they and not only that, but the offensive line coach like protested this 100 percent and said it's a case of mistaken identity, which to me is a trip. Like, I don't know. It's it's purely speculation.
3: I do remember them letting someone go right before the game and it made crazy headlines, right? Uh but I didn't know the story behind it. So you guys got you guys got deeper in it than I did. So that's that's actually very interesting.
1: Yeah. Wow. Who knows what happened, but it is a crazy theory if if that's what happened and the Cardinals just completely covered it up. Um uh, but yeah, they're blowing that shit up. So good luck for them completely starting from scratch. Uh right after a year after giving Cliff Kingsbury a contract extension through 2027, he's gone. So Shocker, that didn't work out for them. Um, I want to play this clip for you guys and get your thoughts on it because a lot of people are finding it a little, like, cute and amusing and almost like, you know, oh, my God, we're so good. I take it the other way. I'm sure you've already seen the clip, but I'm going to play it here. Love the Lions.
0: Uh, Coach Campbell did a great job with his crew, and they played a fantastic football game to to get the win, to give us the chance. So um, we're going to try to do something with it. Uh, unfortunately we're playing the Niners and they're loaded and they're loaded and healthy and on a roll and about as hot as you could possibly get. And uh, doing it in a really commanding fashion too, you know, with the young quarterback who's doing so well, um, just kind of would buck the odds, you know, that everybody would think you could do that and uh, everybody in the media anyway. Um, So uh, um, we'll see how we, how we, We'll get our guys back for this weekend. It's coming up quick with the Saturday ball game, and, and uh, uh, we've already started our week, and we're underway. We love the Lions. What do you think of that? Mike?
3: Matt? All right, yeah, no, so th- this is hilarious. Um, this is posturing. This is this – is, uh, Pete, let me tell you. They showed – there was another video of, like, Geno Smith dancing, and uh, here he comes around the corner on a scooter and things like that. They are so excited, right? When you have nothing to lose, you go out there and you put it all on the line. No one expects them to beat the Niners. I haven't looked at the line. I don't know what the line is, but I imagine the Niners are probably seven, eight point favorites in this game.
1: It opened
2: up
3: Um, at nine and a half.
1: They
2: opened at 10. 10. There you go.
3: So that, and this furthers my point. They have nothing to lose. We're going up against a really talented team. They're really, really good right now. Uh, And all the positive stuff is going to come out about them. You know what I'm saying? And, Okay. Y'all don't expect us to win anyway. Look at them. They're dancing. They're having fun. He's coming through on the scooter. Like this team looks like a team that is not worried. And it doesn't mean that they don't think that they have a tough game ahead of them. Right. They realize we have nothing to lose. We exceeded expectations already. When we got rid of Russell Wilson, no one expected us to be in the postseason. No one did. Everyone said they were going to be the bottom team. Finally, we were all celebrating it and everything. I think this is, I'm not going to say reverse psychology. He's speaking the truth, but there's a there's a reason behind it. It's like, uh, "Oh, well, we know we're going up against a loaded team. Hopefully the Niners drop their guard just a little bit, you know? And then we'll, we'll see what happens. Maybe we can surprise them a little bit. I noticed that they were doing something interesting last week and they're moving they're moving DK Metcalf around. Now, last time they played the 49ers, DK Metcalf was shadowed by Javarius Ward. By Mooney Ward, okay? Mooney Ward doesn't line up in the slot. Guess where he was playing some last week? It was in the slot. So now I'm going to confuse your defense. You think you're going to come in here and shadow DK again? What happens when I put him in the slot? Who are you going to move down there then?
2: He gets locked up by Jimmy Ward, baby. We'll see. We will see. We know Jimmy
3: and him. Oh, man, it's going to be a great game. I Uh, I can't wait for this game.
2: uh, You know, a, a little bit, you know, to what you're saying, It is gamesmanship by Pete Carroll. He's giving the 49ers absolutely nothing to lose, right? This is one of those things where, oh, yeah, I'm going to defer, right, to get you off guard, to to not get you hyped up for the game, which, of course, is a pretty good strategy. Um, And like you said, the Seahawks feel like they have, you know, they're on borrowed time. It's extra. The pressure is going to be on the 49ers of the higher seed. And normally, I think that would be something that would work very well. The only problem is the 49ers go out of their way to let people know we do not like the Seahawks just like they don't like the Rams. They don't like the Seahawks, so it's not going to be as effective as say if it was like the Philadelphia Eagles. That might be something that worked a little better because like the Eagles and Seahawks don't know each other, but this team has history in the playoffs multiple times. I mean, if you don't think that it still sticks in the craw of people in the organization who were there in 2013 when Seattle fans cheered when Navarro Bowman blew out his knee, you got another thing coming because players remember that type of shit. And it's one of those, you know, this, this, it's us versus them. This has been the primary rivalry, even though I think that, you know, 49ers Rams is the more traditional rivalry. And there's another level of hatred in that one. But 49ers Seahawks, there's, I don't think the 49ers are going to come in you know flat or anything like that they might come in a little tight just because of the expectation but at the same time with a team that's as athletic and as physical as the 49ers coming in tight just means that you know we might see a flag here or there they're going to be on top of their game though um and it's it's smart for Pete Carroll to do this he's got to do whatever he can because on top of just being sheepish and playing the game and things like that there's always that ring of truth to what he's saying, too. He knows that the Seahawks are outmatched. Everybody in the country knows the Seahawks are outmatched. It's just a matter of trying to get your guys ready. I'm sure behind the scenes, he's walking into his, his rooms going like, hey, nobody expects us to do it, so let's go out there and kick their ass. Yeah. But he's not going to say that in public because he doesn't want to give the 49ers the bulletin board material. So he's doing exactly what he should. And Pete Carroll's a good coach. We know this. He's He's been around for a long time. So it's, you know. It's going to be interesting. That's for sure. But he's doing what he should do as a coach. Yeah,
1: I agree. Um, a lot of people were, were like reveling in this and finding a lot of joy. And I'm like, do you not understand like the the mental games he's playing? Bill Walsh used to do this all the time. Uh, we have, we don't have a chance. We, I don't know how we're going to do it. I don't know how we're going to come out. I, we may not even score a touchdown. Like he, he's understands how to play the the mental games and play the media. And like you said, why give the other team bulletin board material? And it's like, you know, they know they snuck into the playoffs because the Lions hooked them up with the win. But you just take all the all the wind out of the sails, you know, of, oh, my God, you're completely outmatched. The 49ers are a much better team. And they come out and they're like, oh, we know. We know. We might not even, you know, who knows what we can get done. He's doing it on purpose. And I don't think this is going to work on a team like the 49ers. Uh, I, have, I have an interesting theory. I, I think we all know he didn't like Jim Harbaugh going back to their college days. Like they didn't like each other. I think he actually likes Kyle Shanahan. I I've, I never saw him speak positively of Jim Harbaugh. I've heard him like two or three times now speak very positively of Kyle Shanahan. Uh, he complimented him on, you know, getting not only Trey, but Jimmy and Brock ready this season and playing at a very high level. Um, I think that there's like a mutual respect there because these two teams haven't really had that rivalry that the Jim Harbaugh and Pete Carroll teams did. Did you guys know that this is only the second time they've ever met in the playoffs? Isn't that a trip? The first time was 2013, the infamous don't ever try me with a side receiver, like Michael Crabtree" game. So second time in the playoffs, that's it
2: for 49 ers Seahawks. That's yeah. interesting. Yeah, It makes sense though. I mean, a lot of people forget that until I believe it was like the late nineties, um, the 49ers and Seahawks weren't even in the same division. The Seahawks used to be Mm -hmm. the AFC West. And then once I believe it was, it might've been when they brought back the Cleveland Browns in 99 and they realigned that they switched them over. But, you know, it again, it it doesn't matter. They play each other twice a year. There's no love lost any division opponent in the playoffs. It's just extra special for the players. Um, You know, they get an extra chance. 2019, that was division on the line. Um, the 49ers, again, won the division in Seattle this year. Um, so they got to get it done at home, you know?
1: Exactly. That's the main part is is at home. Um, Jesus Cristo says, after Fred's speech for that Thursday night game, I don't believe they'll be lacking any intensity. I couldn't find the unfiltered version, but uh, the SF Diners – Posted this one up, so I'm gonna play it because this this can make me run through a wall at like three in the morning.
2: Hey, hey, hey,
3: hey tonight, hey tonight, remember this, remember this. We hate these boys. We hate these. <laughs> come out and smoke these boys from the first whistle. Yeah, the first whistle. One game. One game. Sixty minutes. All you got. Fucking love y'all, boys. Man. I love y'all. I'm hard. Let's go beat that boy boys. Okay, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight
2: that's what i'm saying remember we hate these that's why i don't think that that p carroll speech is going to work they know what it is they know what the stakes are when they go out and face the seahawks imagine right you beat the seahawks two times in the season and then you lose to them in the playoffs imagine you know you know what it reminds me of it reminds me of this past season when all those dodger fans talked all that shit and then the Padres smoked them in the National League Division Series. I just, and I just
3: knew for a fact that Matt was going to say. It reminds me of last year when everyone's like, "Oh, the Niners beat the Rams eight times
2: in a row. They're going to beat them." Well, the I mean, team. that t- I didn't want to, I didn't want to be so on the nose, but that was one of those things too because we all remember from last year. You know, that was the easy comparison, right? We came back week eighteen. I loved it. I was there in person. What a game! And then we go and lay that dud in the NFC Championship again. Nobody cared about the regular season after that point. Who gives a shit about those two regular season games? Yep. Because they beat us when it counted. And so this is going to – and that's another thing. You don't think these players have that on their mind? Look, we swept a division opponent last year when we met in the playoffs. They beat us. They're going to leave nothing to chance, that's for sure.
1: Yep. Yep. Uh, Mike, you got any any thoughts on that? If not, we can move on to the next topic. I, we haven't no. spoken in a while, so. No, it's, sure. No, it's all right. No, we can keep it moving. I'm cool with it. All right, yeah. Uh, I think that there's just something about this 49ers team that the three times in the year, Pete Carroll's mind games, all that shit isn't going to affect. And it's, I, I don't even want to say the revenge season shit, but like all of the actual revenge that should have gone into that 2020 season, I feel like it's this year without any of that corny extra shit. Like they're actually about it. They're actually doing the work. They're actually just shutting up and getting to work. You know, they're not out there posting these clips, talking on social media. Some of them, maybe they are. I saw George Oda posted some some shit the other day that people were like, what are you doing? Shut up. Uh, but did you catch that, Mike? Not only did I catch it, I had to retweet, hey, talk your
3: shit, because I hated people telling, oh, be humble, be humble, da-da-da-da. What do you guys want people to tweet? We're scared of these guys, and we hope that we win this game. Like, no, go out there and put your balls on the table, bro. Like, hey, we prepare for y'all like y'all prepare for us. Now it's mano y mano. We're going to see who wins this game. I don't want humble players over here anymore, bro. We have the best defense. We have the highest scoring offense since Brock Purdy's been in the league. Like, we got the number one quarterback. Believe it or not, Brock Purdy is the number one quarterback since he's been with the 49ers. Crazy to think, right? Talking about touchdowns. We're talking about passer efficiency and things like that. QBR, QB, whatever whichever one of those weird metrics it is, he's first in like four different categories. Why do we have to be humble? When, if not now, do we get to talk
1: shit before okay. going into a game? So Why I, do we have to use revisionist history? In my opinion, most people weren't mad that he was he was typing himself up there, upset that he was going to fucking jinx it. That's what they're saying. Like, don't jinx this shit, bro. Like, just get to work. And there's a lot of superstitious people out there. That's it. But, I, I yeah, but
2: here, I'm going to tell you the difference between fans and pro athletes, though, and people that are in professional sports. There is not a humble motherfucker in pro athletics, not a one, not a one. If they act like they're humble, they're lying to you because they're all the cock of the walk. They were all the best in their high school. They were all probably the best in their college. They're used to being the best. So when they get to the league, they think they're the best at all it, times. They exactly. think they're the best.
3: Exactly. These guys have been the best since they left high school. Why now do you want these guys to be like,
2: oh, well, I don't know. I'm I'm a little timid and blah 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 blah. Get, man, come
3: on, bro. Stop
2: it. Stop. None it. of them are scared. None come of them on, are scared. Man. Except for Zach Wilson when, when people throw up gang signs around him, I guess, at the draft. <laughs> but no, I, I love that meme. That is an all-time meme. But seriously, these play they're all professional athletes, you know? I even and I joke on Zach Wilson, but when they asked everybody what their superpower was, he's like my decision making his decision making on the field is dog shit. But he thinks it's good. And that's what I'm saying. He's not humble. All all these professional athletes are, you know, they have a confidence that most people will never see in their life or feel in their life. And And if you do feel it, it's because it's the one thing that you feel like you do better than most people. You know what I'm saying? Like me in the healthcare field, I feel pretty confident in what I do, you know, because I'm good at it. And so that's, you know, it's not to the level that a professional athlete is. Obviously that's their entire life. They're the top 1% of 1% in the league. There's nothing like, I mean, come on, man, being in the NFL is that's, it's crazy. The, The odds of somebody being born and get making it to the NFL are so astronomical. And all these guys are the best of the best of the best, so of course they're not going to be humble. Come on, man.
1: I it, it's like sorry to cut you off, Mike, uh, but it's like Brian Scalabrini when those people were talking shit to him, and he goes, "I'm closer to Michael Jordan than you are to me," and that's you know Michael Bro, Scalabrini's a mean. Did you
2: see the video of him pull up on fools? Yeah, dude, he smoked them. Yeah, he smoked them. He pulled up on these dudes that were talking shit, and he just he just skunked them. Just went out there. Br- old Brian Scalabrini. We don't think about that, right? Like we all go to the basketball court at 24-hour at fitness or whatever the fuck, and we shoot around some hoops and we're like, man, we're good shooters. But then you'll watch NBA players and they'll go to a gym and they won't miss. Yeah. They'll shoot like 90% and they'll play a ton of pickup games. Nobody can check them. Nobody can, even these like 50-year-olds. Michael Jordan could walk into a 24-hour fitness at 60 years old and probably smoke everybody in that gym because that's how good they are even when they start deteriorating, it's going to take them a long time. Michael Jordan will probably be a better basketball player than me after he's dead. I'm just saying.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I completely agree. Here's the best thing about this whole Pete Carroll thing. If the Niners, when the Niners go out there and smoke him, you know what's going to happen? The fan base of the Seahawks is going to turn on him. Maybe if you weren't so smiley, And so complimentary of this team, we would have had a better game plan. Maybe if you took your job a little more, they're going to turn on him. As soon as this clock hits four zero, I hate the triple zero thing. I get it, but there's it's a 15, it's one five dot dot zero zero, right? So I hate the whole triple zero thing. But when it hits four zeros on the clock, and I know that they only show three, I do get it. I promise I do. But when they show that.
2: I could give you a really nerdy math answer for why that is, but i'll let it go no I no no no. you got to say it you got to say okay it. so in math anything before either a decimal point or um a colon you only do to the first significant figure which is one after you have to show every single zero that's right there. because it's
3: infinite zero so, way, so if I, you I,
2: talk that. if you talk about in drag racing they measure to hundredths of seconds so it's like you know, 10.003 or whatever. If it's 10.000, they'll show all three zeros. Yeah, no, I, no, I, I do. I, I do understand why they say it, right? But
3: my my point, though, is this. When that clock strikes zero, how's that? When that clock strikes zero and we win by two or more scores, which I fully believe we will now, the those 12s are going to turn on Pete Carroll. Juicy fruit is going to be banned in Seattle when this is all said and done. Okay, exactly not in the least. Though.
1: Not in the least. I think that these fans are through the moon that this wasn't a a three and fourteen season. I think that a lot of them their their videos pop up on my feed every now and then on TikTok and on, on Twitter and shit. And in the comments, they're like, they just found a thousand dollars on the floor. They're like, holy shit! This year couldn't have gotten any better. We got rid of the cancer that was Russell Wilson and you paid us a ransom to get rid of him. Yeah. Hell yeah. You can take him. And on top of all of that, we're still winning games. And on top of all of that, Gino Smith just set a bunch of franchise records. Gino Smith, the guy who everybody was laughing at competing with drew lock a few months ago for the starting gig.
2: Dude. The fact that Gino Smith came in and set the Seahawks, uh, passing yardage record is hilarious. To in me. year
1: one, in year, in year one.
2: one. No, so- oh, Zach, Normally in a regular year, you'd look at it and be like, okay, you know, we, uh, we made it. Damn, dude, we lost though. We lost to the damn Niner. Oh God, this is a terrible season, but you're right. They unloaded the, the human corn ball, Russell Wilson. They end up with the number five pick in the draft. So even after the season ends, what are they going to do? Turn around and be like, well, we got Geno Smith. What do we, what are we, what are we going to get at five, baby? What are we going to get at five? I don't think that Seattle is, and no offense to their fan base, but it's not as hardcore as the 49ers fan base, as the Cowboys fan base, as the Raiders fan base, as the Eagles fan base, right? There are certain NFL teams, legacy NFL, the Steelers fan base. There are certain legacy NFL teams that have a history of being good, right? History of rabid fandom where if, I mean, I feel like if we get to the divisional round and lose every, almost every 49er fan is going to be like, this season was a waste. This season sucked. We sucked. We didn't do anything. You know, people were mad after we lost the NFC champ. I can't believe we lost to the Rams. Damn, we would we would have went in there and smoked. We would have went in there and smoked. We would have smoked the Bengals. We would have crushed them. We would have killed them. We would have won. That would have been number six. But the Seahawks, they have one championship to their name. You know? So, for them, it's just everything is icing. They made it to the playoffs when they weren't expected to. I think I picked them to finish last in the division.
1: I had them break the way. I,
2: I, I, yeah, I mean, I'm telling you, by the way, speaking of disasters in the NFC West, Mm -hmm. is it just me or, or does anybody else really, really, really want to go to HBO max and watch that hard knocks in season with the Cardinals? I am going to binge watch that shit. (laughs)
3: I love that you said that. I was actually searching for that today on YouTube. There is a there's a page. I can't. I didn't favor the page, but he posts all of the uh, the hard knocks over there, and uh, it's clearly it's not licensed, right? So he hides the name, he buries it. But I I've, I've see, I saw the one when we went to Mexico, and I was trying to find it again because I just want to go back and see it. They, they've released a clip of JJ Watt crying during the uh, congratulations montage, right? And and I get that. I respect that. But I want to see them. Like, I want to see them get really, really high when they get that first touchdown and then just boom, we crush their dreams like a frat party and soda cans. Right. Our beer cans like just crack right on our forehead. It's over for you guys. Like, I want to see that part right there.
2: I want to see the the entire season play out and see how different attitudes change over time and how different players act over time, specifically Kyler Murray. And that dynamic between him and Cliff Kingsbury. I'm very interested to see how that goes. But now it's like must-see TV, and I'm going to binge it. Um, I binge-watched Hard Knocks before the season just because I think Dan Campbell's a motherfucker. And, like, he makes me want to go and play football, and I'm old and decrepit. But, you know, and by the way, shout out to the Lions. They almost did it, man. They almost did it.
1: That's the one team I didn't want to face. I'm so glad.
2: Same. same. I thought they were the most dangerous yeah. out of out of Seattle, out of Green Bay. I thought the Lions were more dangerous than both of them. So yeah. I'm glad we don't have to face them. Um, can
3: you can you guys elaborate on that? Because I said that on our show, and people looked at me like Mike, it's the Lions. And I'm like, yeah, but nah. I think they're too dumb to know that
2: this is the lose.
3: Like, yeah. can you explain it? Because I, I, I said had this Matt, same, yeah. exact
2: thing. So listen, Dan Campbell's a motivating head coach. Jared Goff is better than people give him credit for, right? Jamal Williams led the NFL in rushing touchdowns. They still have DeAndre Swift behind him, by the way. Amon Ross St. Brown is no joke. That offense goes. They had more 30-plus point performances this season than any team in the National Football League. And so when you have a team like that, when you have a young, hungry team, dude, anything goes. Aiden Hutchinson, Savage, really, really good player, really good pick for them it's it's not your mom's lions this team is hungry they're going places they finished i mean you know they finished second in the NFC north 9 and 8 they were a winning football team this year uh, you can't understate how good of a job that dan campbell and company have done aaron glenn and all those guys on that coaching staff have this team playing incredibly and by the way just for a reminder of people who need one we played the the Lions not too long ago under Dan Campbell, and we got out to a huge lead, and what happened? They still didn't go away. And those teams that are hungry and don't go away, those are the dangerous ones, man. So for me, the Lions were much more dangerous than crusty Aaron Rodgers and a Seattle Seahawks team that was glad that Baker Mayfield was on the opposite sideline so that they can get it to the playoffs and kind of back their way in.
1: Also, I, I think that, some teams that have been asked for so long, looking at Detroit, looking at Jacksonville, when they hit on even like forty percent of those picks, especially the early round ones, you accumulate high level talent at a much higher rate than teams that are good because they're obviously not picking in the top half of the draft that often. And the Lions have done that. They've hit, you know, Aiden Hutchinson. They got that that offensive lineman that I can't remember his name right now. Amon Ross, St. Brown. Um, I'm Ross Brown, by the way,
2: I think was a third round pick.
1: Crazy. Insane. And then you get Jamal Williams from, you know, your division rival. You still got DeAndre Swift. Like you said, they're a very, very good team. And I saw people like, uh, was it Cowherd maybe? I forget who it was already crowning them as the NFC North champ next year. Like that's how, how high people are on this team. I don't think the 49ers match up well with this Lions team. They have a really good offensive line. Aiden Hutchins coming on. I think he has like three interceptions this year. Or some crazy shit like that. Like uh, they have great receivers. that can get down the field and their secondary solid. So I, I'm glad The and on top of all of that behind the 49ers, they are arguably the second hottest team in the NFC to end the year. And just, I'll end with this Jared Goff during his last nine games this year, he was two Oh nine for three Oh six, 68.3 completion percentage, 2,397 yards. 15 touchdowns, zero interceptions, and they went 7-2. and
2: two. I'll do you one better. Jared Goff on the season, 65.1% completions, 4,438 yards, 29 touchdowns, seven picks for a passer rating of 99.3. Oh, by the way, he was an afterthought in that trade for Matthew Stafford where they sent two ones and a three along with Goff to Detroit. Yeah, I mean, the Lions, listen, I know that the Rams won last year but the Rams look like a house on fire. It looks like McVay is going to leave. He gave his coach's permission to job hunt, which tells me that he's on his way out. They have no picks until like 2050. You know, like you, you got a lot of high-end guys. Does Aaron Donald come back? Cause he was thinking about retirement last year and they were trash this year. You think he wants to come back for a rebuild? Jalen Ramsey is washed, right? Matthew Stafford. He says he's not going to retire, but you know, his wife had a brain tumor. Thankfully, she survived. But her business with like brain stuff, dude, she's not one. to. I mean, obviously, happy wife, happy life, right? Like there's going to be pressure there. Obviously, you know, the, the Tua situation in Miami exacerbates that as well because Stafford had two concussions back to back. It wasn't to the extent of Tua. But now we're seeing right what the accumulation of concussions can do. So you're looking at. The Detroit Lions get two firsts and a third from from the Rams and Jared Goff, who had a very efficient season. I mean, if you just do the, and I hate it, the blind comparison, but if you just do the stat comparison, you look at that stat line, and you're like, damn, that's a good quarterback. It's what I'm saying. I think Jared Goff is much better than people give him credit for. He's he looks like he's doing a He's he's happy in Detroit and he's doing his thing. And it looks like that they're not going to replace him. And quite frankly, based on his performance, they don't have to. They can use those picks to build around him and make the team better.
1: Yep, I agree. Um, and, and shout out to Ben Johnson. That offensive coordinator is likely going to get a head coaching position, maybe even next year. I, I see he's getting interviews already. He's done a hell of a job. Mike, you were, you started off the segment talking about how they put up like 30 plus points in every game this year or something crazy like that. So shout out to him. Uh, did you have any any other thoughts on that, Mike? No, no, no. I got, I got, got nothing you. else, man. Got got you. you guys did good. Let's talk about what's been on the screen for the past 15 minutes. Brock Purdy. And I brought this up, Mike, when you brought up how he's been playing the as the best quarterback in the NFL since he became the starter in week 14. And I think that's actually cutting him a little short because he he played most of that Miami game. Let's not forget. Uh, But passer rating first in the NFL with 119, 11 passing touchdowns tied for first in the NFL. Pass TDs per attempt, 8.9% first in the NFL. Passing yards per attempt, 8.85 first in the NFL. And five dubs. I mean, I know Matt and I have talked about this. So, Mike, I'll ask you, and maybe I even asked you as well. Isn't like. Isn't this what we wanted to see out of Trey Lance? Granted, he didn't have the time to prove it, but if Trey Lance, if this picture was him instead of Brock Purdy, wouldn't we be through the fucking roof?
3: Yeah, no, we absolutely, we would be celebrating and we should celebrate because it's Brock Purdy as well, right? Here's the thing though, like it's, it's a matter of efficiency, right? Notice one stat that's not up here. It's yards per game, right? The Niners aren't some passing team, and he Brock Purdy is playing so efficiently that people feel like we're a pass-first team now. We're far from it. My man didn't even throw for 200 yards in the last game, right? But we put up 30, what, 38 points, and me, no, like they they put um, Josh Johnson in for like three or four drives, and he didn't attempt a single pass. Not one pass did he throw during that entire time out there on the field. It was just handoff, 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 punt handoff 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 punt right because the game was in the bag we want to get through here with as little injury as possible we're ready to go home right like brock purdy is coming in here and he's proving a well-balanced team is the most dangerous team people are trying to diminish a run game or running backs and i i i couldn't disagree more you get a quarterback that goes in there and plays for the most part mistake free football And I'm not saying that Brock Purdy is perfect because trust me, he's not these last couple of games. He's done some things that I can't stand. But if we were to see this kind of production, this kind of efficiency from, from Trey Lance from Jimmy Garoppolo, which we actually were seeing, let me be very clear here, right? If we were seeing this consistently from any of those guys, we'd have been like, yeah, there's no need to move on from anybody. There's no need to move on from anybody. So I like what we have here. People were talking about trading this guy or trading Trey Lance and all that stuff, and my question is just why? Why would we get rid of either one of them? If anything, the 49ers have shown why you need to have at least two quarterbacks you're confident in starting, you know, that, you know, that you're going to need these guys. We talk about all of the running back injuries over the years and every season, how many running backs we go through. Tell me the last time the 49ers didn't have to use at least two quarterbacks in a season. We're not that team for some reason. For whatever reason, snakebite, whatever you want to call it, we don't have the luxury of going through a full season with a quarterback. I don't know the last time it happened. And people say Jimmy did it in 2019, and even then I think he missed a couple of plays and things like that due to some injury. So I, I just I don't know why anybody would want to get rid of him. Is the trade value going to be high? Sure, maybe. Can you get more than what you paid for Brock Purdy? Absolutely. But you have two guys here that, one, you believe in, and two are on rookie contracts. There's no need to move on for either one of them. Let block block Purdy. Let gro- let Brock Purdy go out there and continue to shine the way that they he might. Did.
2: Glock Purdy,
3: Glock. Come on, man. Boom. Let's go. Right. Like let him go out there and continue to shine. I don't care if Jimmy is healthy. Do not put that guy in in the freaking postseason. I've seen enough of it. I've seen enough of it. I don't want Jimmy coming back in the postseason. Leave this kid in there, and if he starts to struggle, that's when you bench him, but we have not seen it happen yet. There's no need to assume it's going to happen, and if it does, I think the roster surrounding him is good enough to overcome whatever you know, negatives he might have. I think this 49ers team is ready to roll, and like 49ers throwback says here, this offense is on absolute fire, even with less than 200 passing yards a game.
2: Well, listen, we're getting in that ass enough that we don't need the passing yards, right? They're getting it done early, which is something that we're not used to. Um, the Raiders game was the one game where it was like, OK, what's going to happen? And by the way, Brock Purdy did his job. He drove them down the field. Now Robbie going to Robbie and he missed his kick. But then, you know, what happens? It's right back, right back down again. I know that there was the pick and everything like that. But like, you know, Brock Purdy does his job when you ask him to. And again, Mike says it's, it's the efficiency, and I absolutely agree with that. Um, and we don't have to trade Trey Lance, and we don't. What I'd like to see is a honest-to-God open quarterback competition next season. Let them compete. May the best man win, right? Like, if, if Trey Lance can't show up and beat Brock Purdy, then he's not the guy, and we need to know that. We need to know that. It has to be an open comp- quarterback competition. It has to be. It has to be. Mike, you disagree. What's up?
3: I vehemently disagree. And I don't even know if I said that word right. I I can't disagree with that more. I can't. Brock Purdy, thank you for all that you've done. I hope you go out there and get number six. But short of you going out there and putting on a dominating performance, I'm talking 350, four touchdowns, like uh, other – out short of that happening in the Super Bowl, there is no way it's an open competition – there is no way we should be considering this young man as the starter starting next season. Trey Lance will be healthy. Trey Lance will be healthy probably during the postseason, but they don't want to talk about that. However, there's no way. There's no way it should be an open competition. I I couldn't disagree with that more.
2: Listen, I'll tell you this right now. If Brock Purdy gets the 49ers number six, it won't be an open competition. It'll be Brock Purdy's job. I will not a Super Bowl listen, winning quarterback. Listen, I, if, okay. if, if they win the Super Bowl this year and Brock Purdy is the starting quarterback of the 49ers, the 49ers Super Bowl winning quarterbacks will read as follows. Joe Montana, Steve Young, Brock Purdy. They ain't sitting his ass for Trey Young. I can, but I short of agree. that, short of that, I think that Trey uh, Lance will be the starter next year.
3: The 49ers are going to win the Super Bowl this year, and it's going to be with Brock Purdy under center. I have a buddy of mine that we make when our teams play in the NFL – we we make what we call a bill bet, okay? We pick a bill before the game starts, and the other person has to pay that person's bill, cell phone bill, electric bill. We never do mortgage or rent. We, don't, we wouldn't do that to each other, right? But we make a bill bet. I am willing to make a bill bet with you that even if and when he wins the Super Bowl, he will not be the starting quarterback, and it won't be a competition. I'll take that. Let's go, baby. Now, let me give you my reasons why, right? Aside from the stats, aside from winning and all that stuff, right? Because that stuff is something that we can never argue about, right? If he goes out there and he wins it, I can't say, oh, he didn't do, he didn't do, he didn't do, right? You have to look at the reasons why the 49ers decided to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. It wasn't the overthrow and the Super Bowl. It was that this young man limited what Kyle Shanahan could do on the offensive side of the ball. And if we are true, if we take away all the emotions of Jimmy versus Brock Purdy, if we get rid of all of those things, the truth of the matter is Brock has not done a single thing that Jimmy Garoppolo didn't do this season. Not one thing has he done. I disagree a
2: hundred percent. Okay. I'm listening. hundred percent. I'm listening. Um, I'll tell you right off the bat. One thing that Brock Purdy does that Jimmy Garoppolo can't fucking do And I'm not going to say throw deep and I'm not going to say Brock Purdy will throw the ball away when nothing's there instead of forcing it. And that is so important. Jimmy Garoppolo does not throw the ball away. Never, 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 never. never. I hear you go back and watch the last play of the game from the Rams game last year where he did the whirling dervish and fucking just. Yeah. Diarrhea that shit all over the field. Brock Purdy would have thrown that ball away and they would have had another down to live with.
3: I agree with everything that you just said. Here's the difference. You had to go all the way back to last year. For whatever reason, Brian
2: Greasy put something different in Jimmy's head. He was throwing the ball away this year. He didn't, though. He didn't. This was an outlier season for Jimmy Garoppolo, where a lot of the passes, the Jimmy throws that he makes, which he still made this year, just weren't getting intercepted. Go back and watch Jimmy Garoppolo's play. Jimmy Garoppolo had an eight-point play for the Denver Broncos this year a safety pick six yes okay Brock Purdy has never made that type of play Brock Purdy has had the silly play right where he turns and and turns into a sack or whatever but Brock Purdy does not consistently make that one throw game where we're like what the fuck was that Brock does not make that throw that is true
3: that is absolutely true. We have not seen Brock Purdy make those. That's bald. Right? But,
2: but, but that's important in a Kyle Shanahan offense. All you have to do is not make that fucking throw. And Kyle makes the offense so easy that everything else just comes naturally. And the one thing that the problem, and I'll tell you the problem that I have with Trey Lance, we talk about it and Robert Sala said this, he said it about Mike White and I, and I'm coming to believe it about Trey Lance. Trey Lance makes the easy look hard. He cannot throw a screen pass. He cannot throw it out of the backfield. He sails he sales slants, right? Brock Purdy makes those throws look easy. You have to make the easy look easy. Yes, Trey Lance is the better athlete. Yes, Trey Lance can throw down the field. But I need to see that Trey Lance can just do the run-of-the-mill ho-hum offense, which Brock Purdy can do. And until otherwise, if Brock Purdy takes his team to the Super Bowl, I don't see how you take that job from him for a guy that is so inconsistent and obviously needs reps. Of course he needs reps. I'm not judging him as a finished product because he's so raw. But with a Super Bowl-winning team, anything short of the Super Bowl, it's Trey Lance. But if Brock Purdy takes him to the Super Bowl, I don't know how that they can take that job away. See, think- this
3: this is also why I disagree. I don't think one game's outcome should determine whether or not you have a starting quarterback or not,
2: right? We saw the But Ra- guys, if they win the guys. Super Bowl, if they win the Super Bowl, Brock Purdy will have won. What nine straight games as a starter? It's not one game, it's the body of work since he came in against Miami. Right.
3: You've said anything short of a Super Bowl, it should be Trey Lance. And that's where I disagree. I think that if there's something there, you've seen it before the Super Bowl or leading into the Super Bowl or despite the outcome of the Super Bowl, is what I'm saying. That's the only point I, that's the only reason I no, mentioned that
2: part. No, but, but the difference to me, but the difference to me is that is that not all regular season opponents are good. So you can carry wins through the regular season. But each playoff team is a good team. So if Brock Purdy can't get it done, Jimmy Garoppolo has led us to a 13-3 and record in 2019, but couldn't get it done when it mattered most. He had, what, eight passing attempts against Green Bay? He had, what, 14 against against, uh, Minnesota? And then he couldn't hit the throw when we needed him to make a play. He couldn't make the play. In the Super Bowl against the Chiefs, each team in the playoffs is good. So if if Brock Purdy can go through the regular season doing what he did and then go through the playoffs against good teams over and over and shows you consistently over and over, that's enough of a body of work to where you got to you got to keep, you know, the job has to stay with him. Now, if he struggles and they're winning in spite of Brock Purdy, like they did with Jimmy Garoppolo, that's something different. But if Brock Purdy is making good plays and and leading the offense in just the way that Kyle wants, which is don't make mistakes, hit the open dude, which is what Purdy does, there's
1: no reason to replace him. Let me hop in here real quick. I think, Mike, you're saying one game shouldn't determine that outcome next year. And I, I agree with you, but it's the one game that this team has not been able to win for two decades. You know what I mean? Like, it's not just, it's not, Hey, if he wins the wild card or loses the wild card, no, it's the super bowl. And not only that, but you need something with that sort of magnitude to allow you to go to the guy that you just mortgaged your immediate future for and say, thank you, but we're actually going to stick with him unless you beat him out. If you beat him out, then we'll go with you. Also, I said this the other night in the chat, that's the quickest way to lose your fucking locker room is this kid just came in here and battled from the lowest of the low all the way uphill, only got a shot because somebody got hurt, came in here, not only managed, elevated the team, put up 30 plus points on four out of his five games ending the regular season. And then if if what happened, five out of his six, five out of six. And if they win the Super Bowl, that would have means that he won the next four games to get there. You can't do that and then go to him and say, thank you in front of the rest of the veterans and say, but we're going to go with this kid because we spend a lot of picks to get him.
3: Not about the picks. And I'm going to tell you exactly why you can do that with those same veterans in the 49ers locker room, because every single one of those veterans has been injured. Fred Warner, Dre Greenlaw, Trent Williams, Mike McGlinchey. Whoever is playing at center, our left guard right now, all of our running backs, all of our quarterbacks, to make those guys lose their job due to injury and someone going in and performing well is very different. Brock Purdy has not once, in the entire time he's been under center, had to overcome the system. Right now, he's playing well and operating really, really well in Kyle's system. The one thing we can honestly say that Brock Purdy has not done, and this is not a knock on him, is overcome the system. When the system doesn't give you anything, you make a play on your own. And I'm not saying that Trey Lance has done it because Trey Lance hasn't had the opportunity or the need to do it yet either,
2: right? So be I, I would what I'm saying. But I would direct you back to that Christian McCaffrey touchdown pass against Tampa Bay on that zero blitz where Brock Purdy waited and then threw that shit on a dime. I would direct you to that uh pass to George Kittle last week, another zero blitz where he threaded it over two linebackers and got it exactly where it needed to go. But, that's overcoming the system because Jimmy Garoppolo cannot make that fucking throw. And here's I, the other thing. Here's the other thing. You say that those veterans have all been injured and they've all losing their job. to. Guess what they've done that Trey Lance hasn't done? They've proved themselves at the NFL level, which is an entirely different thing. And if you're saying that we're going to sit Brock Purdy, who if the 49ers win the Super Bowl, will have obviously proven something at the NFL level for Trey Lance, who has proven nothing at the NFL level, that's where the problem with the locker room comes in. And that's the difference between a George Kittle, a Trent Williams, and a Trey Lance.
3: No, Terry Dome. I've never seen a 49ers game in my life, actually. So <laughs> my thing is this, right? I, I agree with a lot and almost everything of what you guys are saying. It comes down to, we have to ask ourselves this. Why did the 49ers want to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo? Forget Brock Purdy for just one second, right? It was because... Kyle wanted an extra dimension of this team and we can say it was for athleticism. I don't know if it was a scrambling ability. We could say it was for the deep shot. I don't know that it was that because every time Kyle went to the podium, he says, Jimmy can throw the deep ball. He's done it before. So I don't know exactly what it is. His
2: heat map says otherwise though. That's again, if we're going to give, if we're going to give Pete Carroll credit for, for doing the right thing by his guys and not shitting on his guys going into a season or giving 49ers, the, the bulletin board material. You also have to give Kyle credit for not just out and out lambasting his quarterback to the public. You can't tell me that, you know, behind the scenes, I can see it just on Kyle's face. When Jimmy makes those plays, I can see it on his face on the sideline that he just wants to motherfuck him deep the moment that he can. And they've alluded to this in their relationship about how they'll talk shit to each other and they come out the other side. But at some point, Kyle's going to be like, dude, I need a guy that can throw outside of the numbers at least sometimes and th- that the, the dumb throws and the, the zero progression on a nine year vet is why they're moving on from Jimmy Garoppolo along with the injury history, by the way, too, that just, you know, which, which by the way, Trey Lance is kind of like coming up on the broken finger, his rookie year and now the broken leg is second year. Like you need to stop breaking things, dude. I've seen Brock Purdy get, annihilated by dudes and then just like brushes Bro. it off and gets up
3: Trent Dilfer won the 2000 Super Bowl and a score of 37 to seven with the Ravens and he was not on the roster to start the next season winning the Super Bowl does not mean we have to go with you the following year what
1: how long had Trent Dilfer been in the league when he when he went that Super Bowl do you know
3: I no, I don't know. Okay, so mind. let's can, assume you,
1: it wasn't his rookie year. We can know that for
3: sure. He was the, with he the, was with Tampa. He was with Tampa Bay before that. He was with Tampa Bay from
1: ninety four to ninety
2: That was his seventh year. Seventh year. The season, so the, the
1: difference would be this year is that they have something that they don't know. It's unbridled, unfulfilled potential. And if you're riding this wave, you get all the way to a Super Bowl with this kid. It's different from the Trent Dilfer situation because they know who Trent Dilfer is. We have seven years of film on him with right. Brock Purdy. Could this and kid be a superstar? What, what
2: have you and seen? And
0: by from the Brock way, way that, wait, wait, wait. But wait, but,
2: but wait, by wait. the way, but by the way, Trent Dilfer was a free agent. He signed with Seattle. He got a free agent contract with Seattle. It's not Brock Purdy's under contract for three years.
3: I, right, which is why he should be on the roster still. But what have you seen from Brock
1: Purdy that makes you think, hey, there's more untapped potential here? Th- well, there's- it, it, okay, it doesn't even have to be untapped potential. If this is his ceiling, then the 49ers are going to win a lot of games every year. And if this is close to his floor, and the 49ers are going to win a lot of games every year. Yes, I understand Trey Lance's ceiling is much higher, but at the moment his floor is much lower. So even if you want to start Brock until you allow Trey to develop more and steal that starting gig back from him – That's fine with me, but it's almost unfathomable for me to try to imagine Brock Purdy hoisting a Lombardi trophy and then in July or May going to him and saying, thanks, kid. Come on, Trey. Let's go like it's just And,
2: and that's why that's why I set the ceiling at winning the Super Bowl, because anything short of a Super Bowl, you can justify it to your guys. Hey, as good as we were last year. I think that Trey has an even higher ceiling. We just got to get him there, guys. People but if they reach the promised land, it's like, how do you not give how do you not give Brock Purdy the run back? You're the defending champs. How do you not give him the run back? Right. That's like that's like I'm, I'm gonna I'm gonna tell you why.
3: People hate when I compare him to Trent Dilfer because they think that the only thing that I'm using is the Super Bowl win, right? Brock's not there yet, and I'm still gonna compare him to them because this is what happened. The Ravens ended up benching their quarterback, Tony Banks right? Because they lost all these games. They didn't score an offensive touchdown in so long, right? And then here comes uh, Trent Dilfer. He They lost the first game that he started. Then they won seven in a row. And then they went to the postseason and won the Super Bowl. People forget that. That's not anything different than what Brock Purdy is doing. There's no Uh, astronomical numbers. There's no 350-yard game for Trent Dilfer. There's there's no 350-yard game for Brock Purdy. There's no four-touchdown game for Brock Purdy. There's no four-touchdown game for Trent Dilfer. These guys were asked to go in here and run the offense the way that it's supposed to be run. Don't do more. Don't do less. Don't cost us games. And that's what Brock Purdy is doing. Guys, it's okay to say we're winning. We're doing good. This kid looks good. But there could be more. There's nothing wrong with that. That's my, that's my entire point with this whole argument. Seven in a row, he went out there and won. He won the Super Bowl, and he was not even on the roster the following game.
2: You can't compare 2000 to 2022. The league is completely different.
3: This 49ers team is not completely different. It's all based off of the run game. It's the same thing. A number one defense, a good run game, build your team in the trenches. That's if you the had to guess. That the 49ers and the it, Ravens are building those teams.
1: How many points was that Ravens offense
3: averaging? With with Trent Dilfer in there? Yeah, yeah. I can look it up if you would like me to. Hold on, hold on,
2: I'll look it up right now. Trent Dilfer in 11 games, eight games starting, had 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions. His interception ratio was 4.9% of his throws were interceptions. He averaged 6.6 6 yards that's, per but attempt.
3: That's not what he asked, though. That's
1: not what he asked. He asked how many points did he score in those games, right? Well, okay. That, yes, but Trent Dofer's stats, I guess, are a better indication of what he brought. But let me know how many, how many points the offense as a whole because that's been it, the main it, difference. It, he Brock didn't have Curry. a single game.
3: He didn't have a single game. I'm lying. He had two games over 30 points. They put up 44. They put up 44 against the Browns. They put up 24, 13, 34, 21 in the postseason, 24 in the postseason, 16, and then 34 in the Super Bowl. But once he was in there, it was 27 points, 24 points, 27 points, 44 points. That four game stretch right there is over 30 points a game. That four game stretch with Trent Dilfer was 30 points a game. Not me. That's the math. I'm just telling you guys what happened. It's not unusual for something like this to happen in Hold the on. NFL. And that doesn't Hold mean that you I'm going to do. do I'm
2: going to do some math right now. Right now. I, you want me? To, I'll, you let me know do, what you want. No, I'm going to do some room. math. Hold up. You guys continue okay. on. Let this me do, is let me do a very little unusual, math,
1: by the way, <laughs> because it's not a it's not a backup veteran coming in to lead the team to a possible Lombardi. This is a rookie, a seventh round rookie. So, I, I just think that still a backup, but a rookie and a rookie quarterback has never won a Super Bowl. So we're asking for him to do something that has never been done by any player in the NFL. All of the greats were once a rookie, and they didn't do it their rookie year if they were starting. So I just think there's so much more so much more magnitude to this, what he would accomplish if he does accomplish it this year. And I, look, the main thing, too, is he's not turning the ball over. What did Trent Everett have, 12 touchdowns, 11 interceptions? Like that's just completely different than what Brock is doing this year and and half of his interceptions, I think he has four, half of them aren't even his fault. Yes, he'll take them because they're on his stat sheet. That's fine. But he's not only operating the offense, he's operating the offense better than any quarterback we've ever seen operate this offense since Kyle Shanahan has been the coach of the 49ers more efficiently. Yes, you could argue Jimmy was playing at a career high this stretch this year, but one Jimmy did what he always does and he got hurt, and two. It still wasn't as good as Brock's doing right now. So I just think it, it, it's insane to think that he can lead the team to a Super Bowl averaging 30 plus points per game. And that wasn't him earning his spot.
2: By the way, the Baltimore Ravens, uh, you're muted. In- Hey, Matt, before you go, before you go,
3: right, I know you're going to come in here with some good numbers. It's going to blow my point out the water. I know it because I looked at the whole numbers, (laughs) and I know you got to include that six-point game that he had also. But let me just say this really
2: quick, all right? It's not about points per game, (laughs) though. It's not about points per game. It's about passing versus running, and the Ravens as a team had 2,200 rushing yards in 2000.
3: Right. But wait, before you you continue, let me just say this really quick, right? I want you guys to remember – the first thing that I said about the whole Brock Purdy thing, he is not overcoming the system. And that is what listen to me, just hear me out. That is what starting quarterbacks are tasked with doing. You cannot name a franchise quarterback that doesn't have to occasionally overcome the system. Just Tom think Brady. About that for a second. Just Tom Brady has it. never overcome the system. Because Tom Brady was the system. Don't do that,
2: Matt. Come on, that's, bro. That's don't a goal that, post Matt. move, though. He wasn't the system. You're talking when about he a guy. What? It, what is overcoming the system? You're talking about Tom Brady, a guy that drops back and throws to the open dude. If that's what you're talking about, what you want in a quarterback? Drop back, throw the open dude, throw to the open dude, and don't turn over the ball. Then what? What do you mean overcoming the system? When when the offense? <laughs> okay, so because this whole
3: stadium was chanting, you know what? Forget it. Making the, 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 the starter for the rest of the season. All I'll say. starter for the rest of the year. It's, forget it's, There it is. Because they chanted his name, he is the 10-year starter. It's forget, strange. Forget,
2: forget nah, hey, but don't do that again. like that. Like, that's what we think. I don't give a fuck that they chanted his name.
1: Yeah. And I, I think that you can't. That's that To me, Mike, saying he hasn't overcome the system yet, that's like saying, well, the 49ers haven't played anybody tough yet. They haven't played a winning team yet. Because all he can do is what he's asked to do. And unless you're asking Kyle Shanahan to purposely call shitty plays for him, then that's something out of his control.
2: I agree. It's also like saying that the only reason that the 49ers are averaging over 30-plus points a game since Brock Purdy started is entirely because of Christian McCaffrey, which is also bullshit because we've had games where Christian McCaffrey doesn't do dick-all where he's had like 60 yards from scrimmage, and it's like, okay. Yeah, but see, and that's, that's kind of my point, right? This is the complete- Jimmy Garoppolo averaged 22 points a game with this offense, and now they're averaging over since Brock Purdy's been over starting 32. 34
3: points a game. Yeah, over 32 points a game, right? I completely agree with you. And what this, this, and I'm not saying that he's not more efficient. I said that I said that he brings a level of
2: efficiency that we haven't seen here, but the efficiency but my- is overcoming what the 49ers were lacking in their system. It, the the it, system, Kyle Shanahan's system if you there was there was a chart that came out i don't know exactly where it was where it's like the 49ers face the lowest percentage of perfectly covered plays in the nfl it's because kyle shanahan calls the best plays in the nfl all you need is a dude that it's just keep it simple stupid don't fuck it up that's all i got one more
3: question for y'all and and as soon as y'all answer the question i'm going to ask the question i'm not going to say anything else i'm not going to say anything else on this topic after i ask this question you ready How many points per game does Trey Lance average with Christian McCaffrey with his offense and everybody healthy?
2: Mid-20s because he's not as efficient. He's going to turn the ball over way more.
3: We have literally never – I said I wasn't going to say anything.
2: Okay, in the starts that he's had, look at his ball placement and tell me that that's not good for more turnovers than what Brock Purdy's doing. My question
3: was how many points does, does Trey Lance average with Christian McCaffrey and the rest of these offensive weapons healthy?
2: I mean, woulda, coulda, shoulda, bro. All I know is that, listen, <laughs> all I know is what I can see. And again, again, we're talking about a Super Bowl victory. We're talking about a Super Bowl victory. not That I
3: believe not, we're going to get, by the way. I do believe that Trey, uh, Trey Lance, listen to me. I do believe that Brock Purdy will be the first rookie quarterback in NFL history to win the Super Bowl. I am all for it. I want him on this team going forward. I want to be very clear with all of what I'm saying. I just don't think you just hand him the reins because you went up and you got
1: oh. Trey for a reason. We're talking about handing someone the reins? We're talking right. about handing somebody the reins? The that's literally what they would be doing if Trey, they gave the
2: keys to The Trey only Lance. reason that Trey Lance would get that is because of draft position. You're arguing exactly. position we'll remember, versus results on the field, and that's a bullshit argument. It's not Sorry, a bullshit people. argument. Because it is a you bullshit still, argument. Listen to me.
3: You still mortgage your entire future for that guy. You have to put him back in. You just you told can't. me it wasn't about picks. Hey, Mike, Hi.
2: I'm gonna give you Who? Mike. I never I'm gonna give you Mike. Mike gonna that, give
3: you out of my mouth. I never I'm gonna said give that. you
2: I'm gonna give you some life advice. Okay. This this is an old adage. It's a truism. Everybody knows this phrase. I think that you're arguing from the wrong position here. A bird in the hand is worth two in the bush. Trey Lance is two birds in a fucking bush right now. And Brock Purdy is the bird in your hand that's leading you to fucking five straight victories as a starter. And if he wins the Super Bowl, if you let that go for woulda, coulda, shoulda, that's a silly decision. Now, if he doesn't win the Super Bowl, then you've okay. got a genuine competition on your hands. I'll tell you this. And there's no shame in your I game. Would, like you said, if Trey Lance has to be the backup to Brock Purdy, what's wrong with that? What's wrong with nothing. that? Because, because Brock Purdy could get injured too, the and then we would know. I believe that the 49ers would
3: have the best quarterback room, whether it was Trey and Brock or Brock and Trey. I would still I'm not saying – I,
2: I never right. once said get rid of Trey. All I'm no, saying no, no, is I if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl, yes. he should go into
3: camp as the presumptive starter. Right, and what I'm saying is I agree that we would still have the best quarterback room regardless of who's, who's QB1 and QB2. I'm with you on that. That's I'm not arguing get rid of one guy for the other guy or anything like that. But you said something, Matt. You said, you was it Matt or was it Zach? One of you guys said something about the perfect plays in the, in the, in the, and there was a metric that measured uh, coverable, sure. wh- whoever it was that said it, right? And there you go on the screen, right? Imagine what happens, and hear me out. We saw in just this last game Brock Purdy take two really stupid sacks where he turned his back to the line of scrimmage and ran the opposite direction. That doesn't happen with Trey Lance, bro. He's and I'm done not it. and I'm not saying that's reason enough to make him a starter. Hear me out. I'm not saying that's enough to make him the starter. What I'm saying is there is a different dynamic that Trey Lance brings that they mortgage the future for that we owe it to ourselves to see him with the likes of George Kittle, never seen it before, to see him with the likes of Christian McCaffrey, never seen it before to see him with the likes of the combination of Debo, IU We've seen McCaffrey, him with George Kittle. Kittle. We've never seen seen that before with with all of those guys. We haven't seen it, bro. And and
2: here we are. But
0: here's the thing. Hold on. Hold on. Hold on. But but here's my point.
2: Hold on. Here's the point, though. Like I said, you got to make the easy look easy. And Trey Lance makes it easy look hard. That motherfucker can't even complete a screen pass without fucking bouncing into the ground. Because he's checking it down
3: to guys like freaking Elijah. Uh, no, he's throwing that on, shit bro. to fucking D. Who's the better pass catcher, Elijah Mitchell or Christian McCaffrey? Jay- Jordan Mason or Elijah Mitchell? The pass. No, I'm talking. talking about Elijah Devo.
2: Devo. I'm talking. No. Come on. No. Fuck, no. fuck no. They don't run. George fucking didn't even play with him. George Kittle didn't no, play with him at all, bro. George Kittle didn't
3: play with him at all.
2: Yes, he did. He didn't play with him
3: at all. This year, you're talking?
2: No, this year, he did not play with Trey Lance, bro. Trey Lance played in a monsoon and then broke his twig in game two. I'm not talking about this year. I'm I'm talking about
3: this year. We have not seen the guy that we mortgaged the future for play with these offensive weapons. That's not not Mike's opinion. That's a fact.
2: I'm talking last year when he didn't do what he was supposed to do. Listen. I'm talking tunnel screens. It happened in preseason, too. Yes, he would hit those nice bombs or whatever, but he's overthrowing slants. All right. I it happened in preseason. Game. Go back and watch the tape.
3: I, re- right. I remember when the play broke down and we hit Debo Samuel up the right sideline and everybody was going crazy. What was that against Houston? And they said Jimmy Garoppolo would never. Left sideline. Garoppolo would never. So you don't
2: even have right? the right sideline.
3: It's left sideline. No, it wasn't. No, 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 no. Maybe I got the wrong team. You're thinking of Seattle. the right side. You're line. thinking it of was on Seattle. The right It was deep down the right sideline on a busted coverage, and he hit Debo wide open. He ran it in for a touchdown. That was was at home against Seattle. Okay,
2: but if you're talking about hitting a wide open guy, I mean, isn't that what you're criticizing Brock Purdy for? No. Not overcoming the system and hitting wide open guys?
3: Right, because a play broke down.
2: Trey Lance had the opportunity to see it and take advantage of it. That's all I'm saying. Okay, but those occasional busted – listen, you want people to play – you want, you're want you judging a quarterback based on whether or not he can overcome the system. That should be the exception, not the rule. The rule should be, can you execute the system? That's the I, rule. And Trey gonna, Lance has not proven that he can. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that Trey Lance is raw, dude. And it's not, I'm yeah, not trying to I shit agree. on Trey. I'm not I trying agree. to shit on Trey. I'm definitely not. He needs reps. A hundred percent. He needs reps. All I'm saying that. is if Brock Purdy wins the Super Bowl with his team, I don't know the argument that you can take the ball out of his hands. If he does his fucking job, how do you replace him with somebody who hasn't proven he can do the same got, job yet?
3: We got the phone bill bet, right? We do. All right. If if Brock wins, who who is the starting quarterback next year? That's not now, the bet.
2: Now I will say this. Now I will say this. We won't have the bet if the 49ers win the Super Bowl and Brock Purdy has like an amazing game and is Super Bowl MVP. I won't hold you to that bet because that would be unfair. Like, if he. No, 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 no.
3: Oh, no, 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 no. I don't back that. No, no, no. I still think, even if he does that, Trey Lance will still be the starter.
2: I am standing. Bro, up. if, if they win the on. Super Bowl and Brock Purdy wins Super Bowl
3: MVP, you're tripping, bro. Then, I, then I'm paying your cell phone bill. That's all. It's not a big deal. Yo, that is I'm paying wild. pay my telephone bills. You guys brought something you guys brought something out of me I haven't been able to do in a long time and I appreciate this. So I had so much fun right now. Let me oh, say I know the show's not even over yet. This is great. Real
1: quick. I everybody in the chat do not hate Mike. Cause Mike, I feel like you get put into these positions every time you come on our show oh, that you have to yeah. no, 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 no. everybody this is, hates listen. you for it.
2: Yeah, no, this is, listen, this is all, this is all friendly stuff. Like, dude, this is all friendly stuff. When me and Mike see each other, it's all dap ups and hugs and love and all that shit. Like we're just debating. And this is like, this is healthy debate. I know a lot of people out there in social media don't know what that looks like. This is what it is. Like, this is healthy debate. Yeah, no, all it's all love. Fun. There's no hate here. I'm not hating on Trey. Mike's not hating on Brock Purdy. We're just giving opinions on what the state of the team is. That's all. And either way, either way, here, here's what you guys should take away from this debate, right? It's not an argument because we're not Either arguing. way, the 49ers get number six, baby. Boom.
3: That's exactly what it is right there. Yo. Either way, the Niners are get number six, and we're in good hands in the future. If, That's if, exactly what you should take away from this.
1: If exactly the 49ers, or maybe I should say when the 49ers take care of business, Second week of February, I I will cry like a baby. I will cry on camera. I am I'm, I'll be 29 this year. I've never seen the 49ers win a Super Bowl. Like it, it's just something unfathomable to me. So we will be on here taking shots on air. We'll do it. I don't know. I'm gonna hit someone. I can say we'll I can say something so inappropriate right
2: now, but I think I'm gonna hold back just because of the algorithm.
1: You guys, Let's are us my overreaction
3: show. After the Super Bowl, because you guys don't do it. Here we go. You guys are coming on the Nothing But Niners overreaction show, and we are partying like it's 2000 or 99. Sorry.
2: I'll just just say this. I was 12 years old when the 49ers beat the Chargers in the Super Bowl, and that was the first time I went from 6 to midnight. I'm just going to put it like that. (laughs)
1: You sick fuck. All right. Let's get into this. <laughs> wrapping up the Seahawks game. <laughs>
2: yeah. Wrapping up Seahawks game. Let's do um Go ahead. How Bryce. we think the Let's 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 just like, I mean, we we haven't talked about how we think the game is actually gonna go. So let's do that. We'll get into our offensive defensive MVPs and our final score predictions.
1: All right, let's do it. Um I'm sorry, I totally missed that first, but did you say get into how the game's gonna go and then Yeah, the, like oh, how, oh, how oh, we yeah, think yeah. the
2: game is gonna play out.
1: I think this is going to be a tough start. Uh, Mike will be right back guys. I I think mainly the weather, it should get better as the game goes on and bolts nation. I see your question for Matt. We will get to it. I promise we're not going to miss it. Um, I think that what the 49ers will have to do is really get that ground game going early and take care of business on the ground because the weather may not permit them to start off the game. Through the air. And as long as they play sound defense, which I know they haven't to start the last couple of games, they've given up some big points or some big drives to start the last couple of games. Hopefully that's not the case this week. Um, how do you think the game's gonna go?
2: So I'm kind of with you on that. I, I think it really depends on when, if and when the rain gets going. Um, I think that it's really gonna be a game of two halves. And what I what I hope is that the rain is Holding off on the first half of the game. Brock Birdie can get out, do his thing. The 49ers can build up a lead. Um, and then they can just, you know, kind of run it out for the second half. I think that the 49ers just at every single position. Um, even honestly, at this point, with Debo Samuel healthy, with Brandon Ayuk healthy and beyond, I think the 49ers, even at wide receiver, are a better team. There's no area on the Seattle Seahawks where I feel like they're a better team than the San Francisco 49ers. It should be coming out and taking care of business. I think that Kyle will have the guys ready to go. As you showed earlier with that Fred Warner video, they know what it is against a division opponent. It's not going to be anything that, you know, is going to be unexpected for the 49ers. It's going to catch them off guard or be flat or, or whatever. There's no excuse for that. They're going to come out and be ready to go. I think that they're absolutely going to come out and just physically dominate both sides of the ball. Um, And it's going to be just I mean, to me, I know that Caesar Sportsbook has it as a 10.49ers advantage. I'm kind of leaning that they cover. I think that's going to be kind of a blowout. If I'm being honest,
1: I, I have in my mind, I'm envisioning the same way the Washington Commanders game went, where it was very close, very tight due to that turnover mainly, but they go into halftime. I think it was like 14, 14 at half or something like that. And in the second half, the 49ers just blow the doors off it, put up like 28 points or something crazy like that. I I kind of feel like that's how it's going to happen. And I agree with you. I think they end up covering, which is wild. Um, I I want to touch on this comment here from John. I feel more confident going into playoffs with the rookie quarterback this year than the past two Super Bowl appearances. I feel the same way. I, I don't know what it is. I think Christian asked in the chat, how do we I know exactly
2: like what it is? It's a quarterback that takes care of the ball. And that isn't like a gimmick. And yep. I'm sorry for all you Colin Kaepernick stands, but Colin Kaepernick was a gimmick. He was a running quarterback that never improved as a thrower. We're seeing it with Lamar Jackson. We're seeing it with Justin Fields. We saw it with Michael Vick to a lesser extent. I think during Michael Vick's Philadelphia years, so he got much better at throwing the football, but when you rely solely on your athleticism and you don't back everything else up, you become very limited in one dimensional. And it's not good. Um, I do want to say this though. I don't always agree with, uh, Jack hammer on Twitter, but he posted something today. He posted something to the press Democrat and he was at practice today and it apparently started raining pretty hard during practice. Um, And he, from his observations, he said that Brock Purdy is a very good wet ball thrower. So that during practice, even with the wet ball and the wind, it looked like Purdy was still able to get the ball to where it needed to go. So take that as what you, you know, take that for what you will. I also would like to say that with a rookie quarterback, the one thing that I will say at the time I said this, that I was happy with the trade A lot of people, let's add Mike back to the stream. A lot of people said um, that they thought we paid too much. Christian McCaffrey has been a revelation. Christian McCaffrey has completely changed this offense, and I think that with Christian McCaffrey, it just makes things a little easier. So with Brock Purdy allegedly being a wet ball thrower, being efficient, which the last two Super Bowl quarterbacks were not, I don't know, man. I, I feel like the 49ers are in a good spot offensively. Yeah.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um, I was trying to find the video because I I saw a video of Brock Purdy throwing the ball today and I don't know who tweeted it, but they were saying how he looked very comfortable. Only one ball dropped to the ground. So that was that was important. Um, I have this video here and we're gonna start wrapping the show up because I gotta go get some dinner, but uh, about this is from the absolutely lovely Kay Adams talking about how vital the Christian McCaffrey acquisition was. I want to play it here. Uh, this is courtesy of the Up and Adams show. Fantastic name, by the way.
4: Focus on Brock Purdy's incredible run. Their number one defense. Lots has made of that. And I think it's made us collectively, you and me, underreact to how big of an impact Christian McCaffrey's actually had on the San Francisco 49ers. I think we take it a little for granted and we're not giving it its credit. So if you just look. At what CMC has done since taking over the starting role for the Niners back in week eight. I mean, are you kidding me? The Niners have gone a perfect 10 0, and he's averaged over 100 total yards per game, scored 10 total touchdowns, which is tied with Jamal Williams for the league lead, by the way, over that span, who got plenty of love for it against the Lions as they bounced the Packers on Sunday night. And he's caught 50 balls. This is the ultimate security blanket for Brock Purdy. So we gave George Kittle his love. We've given Brock his love. We've given Shanahan his love. We've given Bosa his love. We've given the number one defense to love. But, you know, don't forget the Niners were three and four before integrating him fully into this offense that they have up there. I mean, this is probably the most impactful midseason season addition that we've seen in the history of the league. Challenge me on that. Most impactful midseason season addition in the history of the league. Who am I missing? Bueller, Bueller, let me know, add up an Adam show. And I'm excited to see this first playoff appearance. Uh, he, of course, had one. I could hardly remember it. It was his rookie year back with the Panthers. This is five years in the making. And he's healthy. And he's going to be the key in this game against the Seahawks. The Niners, of course, beat the Seahawks when they did it a couple of weeks ago.
1: Stop it there. Um, I just want to say real quick. I would put Von Miller up there. I don't know why a lot of people are forgetting Von Miller and what he did for the Rams their Super Bowl year last year. I'd put him up there with a hell of a mid season acquisition. But what do you guys think? I mean, Matt, you were talking about it a little bit. How vital is Christian McCaffrey to this team?
2: I mean, he's obviously been a huge part. I we, we it can't be understated. Mm-hmm. I know that. Every, again, like I said, I, I was for the trade. Um, I know in our uh, our chat, everybody was like, "Hey, man, like." What is a, you know, what, what do we give up for McCaffrey? Can he stay healthy? This and this and that. Well, he's been healthy so far and he's been killing the game. So, um, and I, I know you were looking for the video earlier. I think Mike posted the link Yeah, to, yeah. Uh, to, to, to the throws. Um, you can play that over. I'll just keep talking. Um, but yeah, Christian McCaffrey has been vital. He's been absolutely a huge piece of this offense. Um, and it's been absolutely fantastic to watch. So this is heavy rain, by the way. You can see that it's heavy rain. And just, yeah. I mean, again, it's hard to judge because it's practice and this and this and that, but um, I think that Mark Cisneros has a good comment here. Purdy played in some bad weather uh with Iowa, uh versus Iowa and for Iowa State. His potential play in the rain isn't as worrisome for me. Dude, Iowa gets some crazy weather. So yeah, it might not be as big an issue as, as we think it is. Um You know, I thought that Purdy had kind of a noodle arm, but the more that I watch him, I feel like he has enough arm on these intermediate throws. I think that it's one of those things where he puts a little bit too much, like a lot of college quarterbacks, too much air under the ball on his deep throws and doesn't get them there. Um, I, I think that they'll be okay. But the fact of the matter is, one of the reasons they'll be okay is because of how important Christian McCaffrey has been as an acquisition for this offense. And people were saying we paid too much, and I'm looking at it like, if we win number six, we didn't pay enough.
1: Agreed. Uh, Mike, any comments? Christian McCaffrey, Brock Purdy in the rain? Uh, Did Kay
3: Adams have worked under her face? Stop it. I I
2: wasn't trying to. She just looks. Hey, different. Zach, Zach, what's Ash doing right now? Don't mm-hmm. let her hear you, bro. K.
1: Um, Adams no. is flawless. I will not oh. tolerate any <laughs> K. Adams slander uh, on this channel.
2: Listen, listen, girl, <laughs> listen. I love K. Adams. She just stop pulling her hair. No, I think it's the way she does her makeup. It's like that contouring thing that they do nowadays. Is that what that was? All right. I'll, yeah, I'll I was. So. No, no All, shot. Not also. Just as an aside, not a fan of the center part. I think center part on women is a little weird. It's but. Kay
1: Adams and then Mina Kimes. Wow, Ugh,
2: Mina Kimes. Huh? Stuart
3: knows what I'm talking about. All right. Um, no, you know, I, all I saw from those videos was uh, better passes coming from from Johnson. Uh, I I don't know. Maybe maybe I'm looking at the wrong things. They were they were more precise. The velocity was there. They didn't seem to tail off at the end of of the pass. I'm not. Put it back up. I'm not, I'm not lying. I, I'm not, I'll, I'll take your word. I hear you. I, 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 I again, guys, I don't think it's going to rain much on Saturday during the game. And uh, not only don't, I think it's going to rain much. I think that even if it does rain, we are in good hands. I think Brock Purdy is well capable of running this offense the way that it needs to be run. So I am just not worried about it at all. Um, and to, to Kay's point, about you know the acquisition of CMC, people looked at how many picks we gave up. They didn't look at the value of those picks. We didn't even give up a first round pick. We, we no, didn't
2: give we, up gave, up, we gave, gave up. We gave up picks round. that we traditionally draft like dog shit at.
3: Exactly, exactly. We took some of our worst picks that we use in the draft and we turned them into the best acquisition this offense could ever ask for. The NFL is going to regret letting Kyle Shanahan get his hands on a running back like Christian McCaffrey. It's not my opinion. They're already almost regretting it, and I get it. Like Matt said earlier, you know, there's games where he has what seventy all-purpose yards or things like that. But it's it's the it's the way that he makes defenses have to commit to something. It's not
2: about it's what how he they
3: use him to be honest. Yeah, it's yeah
2: exactly. It's, it's some how of my it's, I had a joke earlier in the season, Mike. You weren't here for it the last few weeks or whatever, where it was like. <laughs> Mina Kimes, are you serious? I'm with you on that, Mina Kimes. Eh. Way mid, mid, bro. Way go, mid as fuck, mid as fuck. Even lower because she's a Seahawks fan. Mid. Um, <laughs> no, but I, I. So we we had a thing going earlier where it was like I could predict the full play of any like of any game for the 49ers, and it's like toss play Christian McCaffrey left side of the offense. And it's just Kyle does get pretty predictable with how he uses uh how he uses christian mccaffrey also if we're talking about um good-looking sports pre- uh, listen i'm i'm old school you guys are gonna hate me for this i don't care i'm still i'm still a fan of aaron andrews i still think that she's she's pretty good looking bro
1: beautiful Susie colber the goat all right uh bro, yeah, Tara Dome. bro the goat okay controversial
2: the goat doris burke fuck it i said it <laughs> doris burke baby. <laughs> Rachel Nichols, too. She's she's a thick, thick girl.
1: All right. We're getting way off topic here. Let's get back into the show. Uh, I, I'll pull this up and then we're gonna get into our predictions. I thought this was interesting. And uh, Brian Peacock, uh, of the Locked On 49ers podcast, tweeted out this this little nugget of information uh, that the Colts gave Trey Lance the quote blue card in 2021. They still need a quarterback. He finds it hard to believe that they wouldn't at least call about Lance. What would they offer? Uh, Entirely possible that they have a higher grade on Lance than they do currently on uh, the course coming out of this class. So let's check out this clip from the 2020 Colts going into that draft. I want to draft this guy.
0: The blue card is guys that have grit. I'd argue that this is a blue card guy. He could be a blue dude Is a guy that's a a blue card type of guy. No matter how hard it gets, no matter how tough
1: it gets, they're going to find a way to offer hope. When things get hard,
0: he could be a blue card. I think he's got real grit. Decker, did you
1: do much with him?
0: Blue card, hey, hey. If you've got this grit or toughness thing that we're talking about and you have good character on top of it, it's a no-brainer you're a blue card. You put it all together, like the makeup, the blue card, the consistency, the toughness. When we talk about toughness, we're talking about mental, physical, and competitive
4: toughness. They've overcome obstacles at some point in their lives, to get to where they are today.
0: This is the only guy of the bunch where you get a chance to put a blue card in the room too. This is outstanding, kid. There are certain guys that offer hope no matter how hard it gets. They're never
1: gonna quit. Bam! it's a blue card. It's a hard card to get. Put him on. I'm
2: By the way, the toughness and grit is exactly why I think Will Levis is my QB1 going to this next year's draft. I think C.J. Stroud has a little bit too easy when you have Marvin Harrison Jr. just mossing people for touchdown passes. And I know Bryce Young is really good, but to me, undraftable because of how small he is. Dude, he's smaller than Kyler Murray. I've seen the side-to-side picture. He's smaller than Kyler Murray
1: pockets the cheesecake they're just talking about their blue card and what it means to them and people were speculating they did have a blue card rating on Trey Lance going into that draft class so therefore would they still want him if the 49ers but also
2: Chris Ballard can kick rocks we're not giving him Trey Lance
1: Chris Ballard looks like he's been punched in the face way too many times I don't know what it is about his look it's kind of creepy
2: he's had work done like Mike said about <laughs> <chaotic>. uh, <laughs> Richard, Rich Hidalgo, Caleb Williams is not draft eligible this year.
1: All right, let's get into these predictions. I gotta go grab some dinner. It's been a very fun show. Hit like, hit subscribe if you guys haven't already. Wait, real quick, real
2: quick, I wanna get. Mike, how do you think the game is going to go on Saturday? What do you expect to
3: see? Yeah, no, no, no. I think the Niners win this game by two scores, but I think it's a low-scoring affair. I think that if the weather happens to be an issue, the Niners try to ground and pound, dink and dunk their way through. But guys got to remember that the dink and dunk is all of a sudden a weapon for the 49ers with the addition of Christian McCaffrey, Elijah Mitchell coming back, George Kittle seeming to uh, have his confidence back with him as well. I I wish I could say that there were no more hospital balls, but we saw a couple of those even in the last game. However, I don't think that's an issue down the field. I think everything, like uh, Matt was saying earlier, make the easy look easy. I think uh, Brock Purdy is going to come in here and command the middle of the field, you know, six, seven yards beyond the line of scrimmage. And I think we go out there and we we just march. I think it's going to be a short game. You know, you watch NFL Network, you uh, you watch you watch the uh, NFL Plus and watch the replays. The last game that we played against the Cardinals, an hour and 45 minutes. That's including all the stoppages and things like that. When you go back and you watch this next one, I think it's going to be like an hour and 30 minutes because I think it's just going to be a lot of time coming off the clock. No need to call timeouts. It's going to be out of hand before it's in hand and the Niners win this one. I'm going to say, if I have to give a score prediction right now, I'm going to say 17. Save it. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Not yet. Sorry, right. sorry, 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 Another sorry. Now the game's gonna go offensive. And by the way, game? blue card sounds yeah. like a guy that can overcome the system. Just want to put that out there.
1: <laughs> all right, I, I, I'm like mind blown over here because I just saw PFF put out their all pro and their all pro defensive line is Miles Garrett, Chris Jones, Dexter Lawrence, and Micah Parsons. No NFL sack. PFF? yeah. PFF
2: is a fucking joke. Fuck Apparently. Nick Gross is going to win Defensive Player of the Year, and they're not going to have him on their All-Pro. So pretty sweet.
1: fucking foolish. That's what it should stand for. All right, let's get into this. Offensive MVP, Matt. Who do you got?
2: That was low-key fire, by the way. Zach, thank you, up? thank you. All right, did you just come up with that, yeah. or did, did. you? That, too? Yeah. that was good. <laughs> that was really good. Pretty fucking foolish. We're gonna we're gonna hold on to that for the future. Um, TM, offensive. You said yes, sir. All right. I'm going to take the cheap way out. I'm going to say Christian McCaffrey. I think he's going to have 150 scrimmage yards, at least one touchdown. Um, and I think the 49ers dominate the line of scrimmage.
3: Mike. I'm going to go with the guy that no one is probably going to expect to be. Uh, I'm going to go with, assuming it's a rain game, Jawan Jennings. I'm going to say seven catches, oh. about 85 yards, uh, but very important catches. Throughout this game, I don't know if he's going to get in the end zone, but he's going to be the chain mover. Doesn't going to, that doesn't mean it's going to be on third downs. But he's going to be the guy that grits it out for us. The, the Seahawks are going to focus on taking away the stars, and I think they're going to do a decent job at that as well. Debo is going to be a, a non-factor. Uh, Ayuk is going to be a non-factor. That means that my my, my guy, um, Jawan Jennings, is going to have to step up.
1: I just think this is hilarious, Rx824. We need shirts, overcome the system. <laughs> All right. Uh, offensive MVP for me, I, just like Matt, I'm taking the easy way out, George Kittle. Um, he's been on a tear. I don't. He probably might not have a ton of yards. I'm going to say like four catches for 50 yards, and I think he finds the end zone twice in this game. The dude has come alive, and in December and January, he balls out, so George Kittle.
2: By the way, can I just... Put a, a an extra little bow on the whole Brock Purdy might be the starter next year. Mike, you talk about overcoming the system. How shitty was George Kittle under Jimmy Garoppolo? He's had seven cat he's had seven touchdowns the last four weeks. Nah,
3: don't let the touchdowns fool you. He's got the same exact amount of production though. He's only getting 50-60 yards a game. If that. Don't let the touchdowns fool you.
1: When we talked about possibly trading George Kittle, that was this offseason. We that was the number one thing is he's not an end zone threat. He cannot score for you. That's no longer the case. So uh we won't get into that anymore. Defensive MVP, Matt, who do you got? Fuck it. Let's go back
2: to our good old standby. Nick Bosa, three sacks and a forced fumble, because I'm just feeling rowdy.
1: Let's go. If you guys, if you're new here, Matt predicted that every single game and then against Miami. And then the one
2: show that I wasn't on, he
1: did it. And then he did it like two weeks in a row. It's insane. It's insane. Uh, They're without Jordan Brooks, by the way. (laughs) Seattle's without Jordan Brooks. Mike, who do you got? No, I'm going to go with an easy one for me, a guy coming back off of injury. We didn't
3: see him last week, but that was Dre Greenlaw. I think that this is going to be a dink and dunk game even for Seattle, and I think that he's going to be the guy that leads the team in tackles. I'm going to say nine tackles, uh, one tackle for loss, and a quarterback pressure. So I'm going to say Dre Greenlaw for sure.
1: These are some dope-ass nicknames from Terry Down. Mike, the Prince of Pessimism. Mike, the Duke of Doom. (laughs) I love these. All right, Uh, I'm going to go with – The man that the 49ers just went out and gave a bag to, Mooney Ward. How great was that matchup on Thursday night against DK Metcalf? They were all over each other. Pause. And I think that this this game, Mooney Ward is going to lock up DK. Even if they try and motion him away, whatever it is, I'm going to say Mooney Ward. couple passes defended, pass breakups, however you want to call it. And I think he gets a pick. He hasn't really gotten too many this year. I think he gets a pick. Final score predictions, boys. Who do we got, Matt?
2: I'm going to take the 49ers. I don't think it's going to be particularly close. Um, It'll be a lower scoring affair for these Brock Purdy 49ers. I think that they win this game 24 to 10.
3: Mike? I'm going to give two because of the weather. I'm going to say 17-3 if if it's raining. If it's not raining, I'm going to say 28 to 10. So, th- those, those is, is that
1: fair? Can I do that? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. We can do whatever you want here.
3: This there you is go. A safe All right.
1: space. That's it. 17. Uh, I, I, I think it's going to be raining, but I don't think it's going to be raining that badly. So, I'm going to say 49ers, 24, Seahawks, 13. And I just want to say the most points the Niners gave up to the Seahawks in both games was 13. And the only touchdown they scored in week one, if you guys remember, was that blocked field goal or whatever for a touchdown. The most points they gave up to any divisional opponent this year was 14 against the Rams in week eight. Like, it's just been an insane six-game stretch. So let's go for game seven. Or as Kyle Shanahan says, it's just one game. Uh, With that all said, thank you, everybody, for tuning in. I hope you have a fantastic Wednesday evening. Mike, let the folks know where to find you. I'm sure they're already subscribed, but let them know just in case they aren't.
3: It's all good. Guys, head on over to uh, YouTube.com slash in, no, nothing but Niners. Go to YouTube.com slash nothing but Niners. You'll find everything else you need to see over there. All right. So I appreciate the support guys. Thanks for having me on. I had a blast really, really missed you guys. I'm looking forward to the next time we can do this here. Uh, Zach, thank you so much for popping up all the different ways that they can find us on the screen here. You guys are great.
1: Uh-oh. Go shout out. Uh, Bolts nation. I, I didn't forget Matt. He asked you specifically which Fred Warner will show up Saturday.
2: All pro Fred is going to show up on Saturday. He's going to shut the shit down. Playoff time is no joke time. Let's get it done, baby.
1: I love it. I love it. Yeah. Go follow Mike. Subscribe to the Patreon. We do a show over there weekly return of the Mac. It's fantastic. Got a ton of great content. Uh, I need to get on that
2: show at some point or another. I've just been like busy. (laughs) We'll do so, it. Sorry do about it. that, Mike. We're definitely gonna get it done, that's for sure.
3: Let me know when you're available, man. Hey, if we need to do our own knockoff of Return of the Mac, we can do it. Hey, no, when do you do it? Tuesday? Whenever Wednesday you're
2: available. Usually, whenever. I'm off, I'm off the beginning of the week. So if it's Tuesday, I'm I'm available Tuesday for you. Let's do it.
1: These nicknames are insane. All right, Matt,
2: you want to take us out? Absolutely. Listen, guys, it's time to paint the end zones red. We're a bull in a china shop. We're ready to go. We're going to kick some ass. To quote Adam Pullen, Caesars Palace, Assistant Director of Trading, liability is a factor too. The 49ers are the one team we do not want to win the Super Bowl. With that being said, let me quote the great major league. There's only one thing to do. Win the whole fucking thing. We love having you here as always. Fuck the Seahawks. Until next time, go Niners.